Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matasek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Opioid addiction is a problem plaguing communities across the United States. The city of Baltimore has been especially hit hard, with the most recently available statistics showing that nearly 700 people in the city died of opioid overdoses in 2016. Mount Calvary Catholic Church in Baltimore recently began a ministry to reach out to those suffering addiction just steps from the church's front doors. The parish's bus stop breakfast ministry provides sandwiches, fruit, and refreshments twice a month to those who gather at a bus stop next to the church and across the street from a methadone clinic. Initially began simply as a way of getting to know people in the community, the ministry has grown into something more. Here to tell us about it is Father Albert Scharbach, pastor of Mount Calvary Catholic Church and a former pastoral associate to Bishop Dennis J. Madden, urban vicar for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Father Scharbach, thank you for being here on Catholic Baltimore. My privilege. First, before we get started, a lot of our listeners may not be that familiar with Mount Calvary. Could you tell us a little bit about the parish here? Okay, so Mount Calvary Catholic Church used to be an Episcopal church. In 2012, it became Catholic, the whole congregation, which is full circle because Mount Calvary has always represented the most Catholic elements that could be possibly expressed within the Episcopal Church. In fact, one of our early pastors became Catholic and was received into the church by Blessed John Henry Newman and then ultimately became the Bishop of Wilmington, Delaware. And so uh, I used to be an Episcopal priest and am now a Catholic priest. And so I was received into the church about nine years ago, but became a Catholic priest five years ago. And this is an Anglican use parish? Could you explain what that means? Well, Anglican use is the old term, but it makes sense in the, in the way that we have a liturgy that reflects the Anglican patrimony. Now, Anglican meaning not just that Protestant uh, Church of England, but those Catholic elements that gained expression in England when there was no Catholic Church. So what this brings forward is that that English Catholic spirituality. We know what a, an Italian Catholic Church looks like, what a Polish Catholic Church looks like. Um, up until now, we haven't known what an English Catholic Church looks like, even though most of us here don't have any particular English or Anglican background, but that's the patrimony, that's the charism, which is a large part of what we're bringing forward here. That's great. And could you tell us about your bus stop breakfast ministry? What exactly do you do? Okay, yeah, so the bus stop breakfast ministry began this past fall, and we noticed that people were congregating at the corner at the bus stop of our church very early in the morning. And it was a very lively, let's just say, loud group. And we didn't know them. So here we are in this corner and thinking about how can we embrace not only our parishioners, but our whole block, our whole, this whole corner of the city for the gospel. And we thought, we need to get to know this community right here. And so the idea was, well, why don't we go ahead and make breakfast for them in the mornings? Let's just start with a Saturday morning, one Saturday a month. This is an idea that was initially 
brought forward by my wife, Abby. So I mentioned I used to be an Anglican priest, and so I do have a family. This is part of the uh, exception provision that was brought forward initially by Pope St. John Paul II, and then uh, Pope Benedict XVI expanded that. And so, uh, so sort of like Mary at Cana, it felt like, uh, where she said, you know, Jesus, we, we need to help these people. She said, this is what we need to do this year. And I realized this seemed to be from God. Um, all right, that's, that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and, and bring this forward. So what we simply do is we get together at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we, in a very organic, um, kind of homey way, make sandwiches and put out coffee right there at the bus stop. And the whole idea is that we're not just giving the sandwiches out sort of like a soup kitchen or like an assembly line, no hairnet kind of approach to this, but uh, we want to get to know the people. And so we put these sandwiches together with prayer and we try to minister to their needs as we do so. And a lot of these people are, are those who are suffering drug addiction, is that right? There's a methadone clinic right across the street from the bus, bus stop? That's right. In fact, we didn't know this at first. Uh, we just thought, let's minister to this community. Uh, they congregate here for whatever reason, assuming that, that many of them were here for, associated for one reason or another with the, the hospital, um, University of Maryland Midtown. But it was after our first time that we realized most of them are addicts, uh, almost all of them. Uh, there's a community that gathers there. They come here to receive, as you said, George, methadone, which is a, a drug to help to, uh, ostensibly to wean people off of their opioid use. But often it becomes another dependency. That's a whole other story. But uh, that's, that's the whole idea is to make it so they're not dependent on uh, illegal drugs, but they're able to come here and, and meet that physical need in order to Ultimately, the hope is to, to get off those drugs. But the, they congregate here because they, they form a community. Uh, they, they have this in common. Even though they come, the, the, our neighbors who congregate there come from many different walks of life. So when they come to get their drugs, they tend to uh, stay here for quite a while. They receive a good meal, but what do they see, receive beyond the meal? Well, our prayer is that they'll receive Christ, hmm. period. Uh, that that's what the, the food is, will, will convey. And that's how we pray over our food. May, may Christ be felt even in the love with which this food was made. But ultimately, we, we want them to see Christ in us. And how many volunteers do you have working on the ministry? In order for it to run smoothly, we can do so with, with 10 or even a little bit less. And What's been the impact on your parishioners to be involved in this program? it hits a sweet spot in terms of we want to be able to bring the gospel outside of our church. So our motto for our church is lifting up Christ in the beauty of holiness, or that's the short statement of our mission. And that's true in the sense of our liturgy, and we're known for our liturgy because it's a very reverent liturgy. But the purpose of meeting Christ at Mass and doing so in beauty is that so that beauty is carried forward in our lives. And when we're sent out at the end of the Mass, it is to go outside these doors and may Christ be lifted up in the beauty of holiness by how we live. This is one way that we do that. And it's very gratifying for our parish to be able to live out the gospel in this way. Pope Francis often speaks of reaching to the peripheries, and that seems exactly what you are doing here. Absolutely, and what Pope Francis said was nothing new. This is the core of the gospel. This is something that we should always be doing. We just need that reminder. He's reminded us, and so 
we didn't have those words in mind when we did this, it, but, but that certainly corresponds. What is your long-term vision for this? We'd love to expand, and this is an, an unfolding vision because we're still getting to know our neighbors and uh, becoming much more of a known quantity to them, but this is moving forward in ways as much more than we even expected. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's meeting that vision in the sense that, yes, we are getting to know them, and we are building relationships, and we are beginning to see lives changed through our interaction. And what has often become very substantial counsel and prayer that happens at that corner. So we've had a number of our neighbors ask, how can I be involved in this church? How can I become a member? But one interesting thing is that the methadone clinic isn't open on Sundays, so they give them a double dose on Saturday to carry them through. And that's a little bit of a challenge. So we're thinking about, okay, well, how can we minister to them more holistically on, on Saturdays or on other days of the week? But we're also asking, how can we bring them beyond simply methadone? As we talk to them, they know that this isn't a solution, that this is a stopgap, and it's just really just another drug, and it's not bringing them to a healthier place. So we're asking ourselves, how can we minister to the whole person with the gospel uh, to their entire lives to help bring them out of whatever patterns led them to this place? Uh, that's our, our ultimate vision. We have some row houses next to the church and we're thinking about how might we be able to uh, use those in support of this mission. So these, this is how that vision is beginning to unfold. Uh, our guest today is Father Albert Scharbach, pastor of Mount Calvary Catholic Church in Baltimore. When we return, we'll talk a little bit more about the ministry and also the spirituality of drug addiction and how spirituality can help you overcome drug addiction. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. We'll be back in a moment. Join Catholic Review Media and Father Jim Kiesel on a pilgrimage to Rome and Assisi for the canonizations of Pope Paul VI and Archbishop Oscar Romero. The trip from October 11th to 18th includes the canonization mass in St. Peter's Square, a papal audience, and other sites. Visit bit.ly.com slash CR hyphen Rome Saints for more information. That's B-I-T-L-Y dot com slash CR hyphen Rome Saints or call 866-468-1420. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online, at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. We've been speaking with Father Albert Scharbach, pastor of Mount Calvary Catholic Church in Baltimore. The parish recently began what it calls its bus stop breakfast ministry, 
providing a morning meal to those who gather at a bus stop outside the church and across the street from a methadone clinic. Most of those who gather at the stop are suffering drug addiction. Father Scharbach sees the ministry as a way to get to know the people in the community and help them develop a deeper relationship with Christ. Father, what are some of the common misconceptions people might have about those who suffer from drug addiction? Well, many people think that those who suffer from drug addiction have somehow taken the easy way out and, and chosen some kind of life of crime or something along those lines. After all, you know, these, these drugs are illegal, right? And from talking to our neighbors here, many of them feel that stigma. They realize how people see them. But especially hearing their stories, you realize that there are reasons why they are where they are. And oftentimes it's because of great tragedy, great obstacles that they've encountered in their lives. Um, it's some form of abuse, some kind of a neglect that, uh, and poverty that have brought them to a place where they encountered great despair. Um, brought them to a place where they weren't able to see beyond that short-term alleviation that drugs might give. Um, they don't embrace this. This is not, not something that they're proud of. But hearing the stories, uh, they've had great obstacles that they've overcome. And it is worthy of our compassion. And in light of this, many of them, I might even say most of them, have great faith. Um, astounding faith, in fact. So oftentimes, a conversation might go like this. I might say to somebody, uh, or they might say to me, how you doing, Pastor? And I might give a response, uh, God is gracious, his mercies are new every morning. And the response would be, amen, I give thanks to God every day. For he got me up this day. And as the conversation progresses, and you can tell this from the demeanor in which that's said, this is not a platitude. This is not just, she's not just saying what she thinks she should say. She means it. And this is often not what we get from our fellow parishioners or from you know, our, our co-workers in, in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, these are people who get through life through faith. They are holding on to the gospel. That's the only way they can survive. So oftentimes the conversation will continue. I pray to God all day, every day. It's the only way I can get through the day. So many of our friends here are, are truly fighting and, and are, are searching for stability. They are working hard. And so, and the stories that I've heard are very powerful. The tragedy that they've encountered, uh, the things that they've had to overcome are, are not the kind of obstacles that, that most of us have had to overcome in our lives. So if I didn't know this before, <laughs> I, I, I might have been able to say that these people are deserving of, of our compassion before. Now, having gotten to, to know our, our neighbors, I can say with much greater conviction, these people are worthy of our respect and our compassion. What spiritual advice would you have for someone struggling from those kinds of addictions? A wholesale conversion. Here's the thing, it's not like you, uh, when addressing addiction, you can just uh, address that apart from the rest of one's life. And I've heard stories, I remember here, the, the old book, The Cross and the Switchblade from the Pentecostal pastor, David Wilkerson. And it was a wonderful story from the 60s. I actually attended his church before I came, became Catholic long ago. And I was a member of that church. And his story was about how he reached out to heroin addicts in the 60s. And he saw many people just miraculously step away from the drug, cold turkey. That's not normative, um, but it, the way that happened was, was people giving their lives entirely to Christ and changing everything. 
So this doesn't mean that some medical intervention would, wouldn't be helpful and necessary in, in most cases, but uh, when it comes to any kind of addiction, and this is what I tell people, for example, who are struggling with other addictions, whether it be pornography or whatever it might be, you can't just um, go surgically and try to remove this one part of your life. It requires changing everything. And uh, I remember hearing a wonderful interview from a man who started charity. It was called the Charity Water Charity. And he talked about how, many, how he was addicted to pornography, many kinds of drugs, um, alcohol. And when he decided to change his life, he had to remove himself from that entire context, everything about that lifestyle. Um, he had to completely be in a different context. And when that happened, along with prayer, and that was the, the important component as well, I mean, he gave his life to Christ in a new way, um, he was able to cold turkey leave it all. Hmm. And, and that completely goes against the, all the, the statistics. But I think of my own life, my own conversion too, when I embraced my baptism really for the first time in my early 20s. And that, that whole lifestyle that would have, you know, I would have been dragging with me trying to enter the church, I said, no, we're going to make a clean break. We're gonna, I'm going to get rid of all those records. I'm going to get rid of everything. And, uh, and, and that's what enabled a wholesale change. And so I'm not coming from a, this kind of addiction background myself, but I remember a pastoral council saying, I raised my hand, this was in seminary, and I said, well, how do you relate to people, for example, that, that have addictions if you haven't gone through that yourself, you know, like drug addiction? And he looked at me as, as if I didn't see the obvious. He said, look, we all have experiences that we can relate by analogy to the experiences of others in counseling. He said, don't tell me you haven't had addictions of other kinds that you haven't had to overcome. He said the patterns are the same. Mm. And, and that's the pattern of conversion uh, that we need in, in every way of life. And that's what I would say to you if you're trying to make a change in one small area of life uh, that is a besetting sin, or to someone who has patterns that have led to drug addiction. It's a wholesale conversion, and it, it takes that, nothing less, and I might say even um, uh, nothing more, <laughs> because any, any other interventions, any kind of medical interventions really needs to be part of that. There are so many people who are afraid to reach out for help when they're suffering from addiction. What is your message to those kind of people who might be too embarrassed to admit their addiction or, or might be afraid to reach out for help? Yes, and that goes back to the fact that uh, in the church they will receive acceptance, and mm -hmm. uh, so that message needs to uh, go out there. And I think back to what my parishioner said to the one individual, he said, uh, when, when do you know that you're clean enough to be able to come back? And she said, I wish I came back earlier. Um, uh, I was, I'm always accepted here, and you should come back tomorrow. Um, so the church is ready to accept those who have needs. And so uh, we're here not to judge, uh, but to meet people where they are. And I know your outreach has resulted in some addicts actually joining the parish, is that right? Any yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, we, we have some very significant conversations with people from the bus stop breakfast here. And, but even before that, though, we had two, well, more than two, but two stories in particular where we're able to walk with individuals who have been dealing with addiction and recovery and bring them to a turnaround in our parish. This is, well, again, this was before the bus stop breakfast began, but there was one man who was homeless. And uh, by actually coming alongside him, giving him housing, he was able to get back on his feet. An older gentleman who was retired and receiving a disability uh, pension from the uh, military, that, that helped him a little bit. But there was another man, it was very moving, and just thinking about him, just uh, 
touches my heart in a, in a significant way. I can say his name. His name was Kevin, and he came here off the street. He was homeless. We weren't able to get him to the point where we could give him housing. But when he first came here, yeah, he was looking for help, and he, he said he was Catholic already, but it was very hard to discern his sincerity about wanting to receive ministry here. But one of our parishioners began to bring him to uh, Calix meetings, which is a, a Catholic uh, component to Alcoholics Anonymous. And through coming alongside him, walking with him uh, in his life, he had a true profound conversion, so that he was no longer coming to us to say, um, can you help me, but how can you help me help others? Mm. Um, ultimately, he died from uh, complications, health complications related to a very rough lifestyle. He, he died just a few months ago, but he became truly part of our parish. It was a wonderful story of redemption. So I know you reached out to drug addicts before the bus stop ministry be began, but you've also lost some parishioners, and that had an impact on the ministry as well. Could you talk about that? That's right. So that was after the ministry began. So while those deaths were not the genesis of the ministry, it certainly did fuel the momentum. We had a long-term parishioner who hadn't been attending consistently due to the difficulties of his lifestyle but he had been struggling with addiction throughout most of his life and it include opioids and he died this past fall so while we were planning his funeral a friend of the parish his daughter died due to opioid addiction it was an overdose so they were looking for a ministry to which donations could be given in lieu of flowers, and the family was divided. They couldn't find something that fit just right. Then when he heard about our bus stop ministry, he brought it back to the family, and instantly they were unanimous. That's it. <laughs> and so that helped us financially, because we began this ministry without the resources to do it. We just said, this is what we need to be doing. We, it, you know, God will provide, and, and he did provide uh, largely through this. But also it was a wonderful way, an outlet for this family, looking for a way to memorialize the death of their daughter. And it really did give wonderful momentum to what we were doing. So then two weeks later, we had the funeral for our longtime parishioner, and they followed suit. Yes, in, in lieu of flowers, give money to this ministry. And so it just goes to show how important this is. And praise God, we had this ministry in place even before those deaths occurred. And how can people support you in your ministry here? First of all, prayer, of course. Um, not only for here, but for the witness of the gospel throughout Baltimore. But um, if anyone would like to volunteer, we'd love to expand the ministry. And so we'd love to get them scheduled for that. Uh, so um, we'd love to move it to a weekly ministry. So uh, they can always reach out by contacting our parish uh, via email on our website or by calling our number. And what is your website? Our website is mountcalvary.com. That's great. And when is the ministry held? Uh, what time on Saturdays? Saturday mornings, uh, right now twice a month, usually the first and third Saturday, although sometimes due to schedules we have to adjust that. Um, and so that's from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Well, Father Sharbog, thank you so much for being our guest on Catholic Baltimore. It's my privilege. Thank you so much for your good work. Thanks, Father. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. 
Duke Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. Duke Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Join Catholic Review Media and the Archdiocese of Baltimore to see the Passion Play in Oberammergau, Germany, June 19th to 27th, 2020. Travel with Archbishop William E. Lorry, Father Michael Fapiano, and Father Jim Prophet on a nine-day, seven-night pilgrimage to Austria and Germany. Land-only price is projected at $3,399 per person, double occupancy. There are still a few spots remaining. Reserve your seat today by visiting archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Again, that's archbalt.org slash passionplaypilgrimage. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.